This is Election Day 2022, and this is Ozarks at Large for Tuesday, November 8th, 2022. I'm Kyle Kellams. Arkansas polls open until 7.30 tonight. Polls in Missouri and Oklahoma close a half hour earlier. Ahead on our show, an election quiz. We'll hear part of today's new natural election podcast from KUAF. Co-creators Matthew Moore and Daniel Carruth asked me to come up with a few election-related questions for this week's episode. My questions, their answers, later this hour. We'll open today's show with a discussion about needs in northwest Arkansas and across the state. There are many people who work and live here that can use help. Help to pay rent in a housing market that continues to become more expensive or help paying for medication, finding shelter, safety, or food. Last week, Josh Hall, the vice president of Accelerate Foundation and the executive director of HARC, and Dallas Mudd, vice president of operations at United Way of Northwest Arkansas and the executive director of Arkansas 211, came to the Carver Center for Public Radio to talk about cooperative efforts to help people. 211 is a three-digit phone number that connects people throughout the state in need of help to resources that can help. And Josh Hall describes HARC as a Northwest Arkansas-based connection organization. And so we do that um, with a team of about 10 community liaisons and uh, a technology platform that we've developed. And so we connect with individuals in the community Um, We help to uncover needs, both through our community liaisons and through some of the features of our technology platform, including formal needs assessments and predictive analytics that we're able to to utilize to um, identify those needs. We help uncover additional needs. Um, We build a quality plan for those individuals. We connect them to resources. We follow up to ensure that connection. Um, On average, we interact with a client's plan about 14 times over the course of about 33 days. And so we really go in depth to make sure that 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 need that's being addressed by that organization, um, there's no way to fall through the cracks and that they they do get connected. Or if something comes up and they're not able to get connected, well, then we can help them get a different resource or a different referral for that. Um, And we also do that through our our map of resources. We have about 2,300 solutions that we can provide for an individual that cover about 50 different need areas. And uh, we are completely free to the community. I want to go to that when you mentioned uncover additional needs. So Mm -hmm. someone might have an initial connection because of one need, but if you start to dig deep, it's like, well, this is connected to that. Absolutely. Right now, uh, and, and really over the past few years, we've seen the number one need in Northwest Arkansas that, we, that we're seeing is help pay for housing. Mm-hmm. And so someone may contact our organization or contact 211 uh, because they, they can't pay their rent that month. And, and so they're calling for that one specific need. But when we really start to peel back the layers, um, there's a whole slew of things that are often going on that are contributing to that challenge. It could be help finding better employment. It could be they almost they also may need food resources or healthcare or Health transportation or prescription assistance or all these other things. And oftentimes when someone reaches out for help, maybe it's the first time they've had to ask for help. We saw that a lot happen uh, during the pandemic and they don't really understand the full scope 
of assistance that's available. So we really try to do a good job of, of naturally, with dignity and respect, having that conversation with those individuals to make sure that they fully understand the scope that, uh, of assistance that's out there and then help them navigate the process. Dallas, we've talked about 211 before, but I think it's worth mentioning again, reminding listeners what 211 is and how it can help. Yeah, so 211 is a, a free and confidential um, information and referral service. So, um, much like what Josh just mentioned about HARC, um, we're, we're kind of like the first line of defense. So, you know, if you're needing help and you, you just don't know, you don't know where to go, you know, there's resources out there, but you just can't find them and you can't think clearly. Um, you know, you can call 211 or visit 211.org and, and find those resources in the community. And um, much of what Josh just mentioned, what we have learned is um, when somebody calls into 211, first of all, they're, they're not having a great day because, you know, nobody likes to ask for help or needs help or, or likes to say they, they need help. Um, but what we, we have learned and why the heart partnership with 211 makes perfect sense is people are in survival mode when they call. And um, so they're just worried about putting food on the table tonight. You know, there's other things going on in their life, um, but that's the most critical thing right now. And what 211 is able to do is is connect them with those resources uh, right now. You know, here, here's where you need to go for a food pantry. Here's who you need to contact for your utility bills. And... Um, and then, especially in Northwest Arkansas, we pass them over to HARC so that HARC can really dive in and meet their, their holistic needs of, you know, what else is going on in your life that causes you to be in this situation. And, um, and so that's where the partnership really, really thrives between, between 211 and HARC. But, you know, 211, we're 24-7. You know, we're, we're always open either through the call center or through the website. And, you know, we have, I think, 17,000 resources across the state of Arkansas that, you know, are right there at our fingertips to, to help our Kansans. 211 and HARC have same goals, but have different avenues to help those goals be met. So that's how the, the partnership works? Yep. Correct. Yeah. And, and so, you know, when we set this partnership up um, really early, um, early in the pandemic, you know, I think I don't, I don't remember who called who first, but, you know, we just we reached out and um, and both said, hey, we, we have we have strengths of our organization. And how do we work together? Because I think, you know, one of the things I've, I've experienced in this partnership is that both of our organizations very much have a posture of collaboration, a posture of we are better together in, in approaching uh, our community and how we connect with our community than, than we are apart. And so, you know, we sat down and said, like Dallas said, you know, um, 211 has these incredible strengths of, hey, people know what 211 is. You can call. It's really simple. They're doing all these amazing things across the state um, and, and are focusing in on those things. And sometimes people want to call and remain anonymous. And, and, and that's not really how our model works. And so 211 is an incredible way for that to happen. And so we were able to say, hey, Hark is really doing this in-depth resourcing work in Northwest Arkansas. So, hey, why don't you guys just hand them over here if they're in Northwest Arkansas? And then you guys continue to do the incredible work you're doing throughout the state. And let's continue to work together on, even in Northwest Arkansas, how we best resource, how we best grow these partnerships. And so I think within two phone calls, this was set up and, and it was just a no-brainer for us to go, man, let's leverage our strengths to, to just give people in Northwest Arkansas an opportunity to thrive. 
this may not be the most accurate way to describe it, but it seems like with things like predictive analytics, there's a, a sort of new school, and then picking up the phone and dial three numbers, there's kind of an old school combination here. It, and it really is. And it, and it we, our goal is to um, make sure we, we blanket all the demographics and all of the age groups for callers. Um, you know, and that's with 211, we have texting, we have the website, we have email, we have chat, or chat's coming soon. Um, and then, you know, so at 211, I make sure that I can get access to the 15 year old that's struggling at home for whatever reason, or, you know, the, the, the 90 year old that, um, you know, doesn't text and, you know, scared of the internet and just wants to call. And so, yeah, so, you know, we make sure that we can cover everything and, um, you know, and then we make it seamless, as seamless as we possibly can to get them involved with HARC. Um, and we do it for them on the phone. If, you know, you call in a 211 in Northwest Arkansas and, you know, we address, okay, what's going on? Here's what you need. Oh, by the way, you know, here's the HARC platform. Can we put you into this? And we'll do the intake form and just shoot it over to HARC and their team will pick it up and, and run with it. So we, we, tr- do our best to make it as seamless and convenient as possible for the callers. 211 can help with immediate, as can Hark, immediate uh, uh, challenges. I'm getting the feeling the goal is to try to have even more long-term solutions if possible. Correct. Yeah. And and again, making the distinction uh, across Northwest Arkansas versus the rest of the right. state. Um, because Hark is a Northwest Arkansas only um, organization as of as of today, um, and so so yeah. With this, it's it's hey, if you need these immediate things, or you want to go on the two one one website and just find these resources, um, or I want to re- remain anonymous, or I just have this one question or that. Um, that is absolutely in the wheelhouse of of this partnership and and a huge resource if. If what this individual needs is a more involved, in-depth process, then that's when the handoff happens. And you know, we when we set this up, we built kind of a, a co-branded almost landing page here that two on one has for us. And so they're inputting it directly into our system. That's going into an electronic queue that our uh, liaisons or our connectors are monitoring and claiming that and and jumping right into the process. So like Dallas said, you know, we really wanted this to not be a clunky process for people and make sure that it just it's as seamless as possible from one step to the next all the way through to, to connection to resources. Does it matter if my first language is English, Marshallese, Spanish, or something else? No, no we, both, we both understand that, and we both have those translation services, and he, he actually has staff. Um, yeah. And for the language, 211 speaks 142 languages. Um, obviously, I don't have staff that does that. We, right. we use an interpreter service for it. But we have staff that speak Marshallese. We have staff that speak uh, bilingual Spanish. And um, so, you know, and that's, you know, what the demographics and the population tells us is that's what we need. And that's the communities that we need to make sure that, you know, have access to this. Um, and, and, you know, I know um, Josh and his team at Hart do the same, you know, that they have the the competent individuals that can reach out to those communities and make sure they get the help they need as well. Yeah, Hark has, um, we have Spanish and Marshallese speaking staff um, within our technology, any of our consents, any of our, um, anything that, that a client would interact with, we have in English, Spanish, and Marshallese, as well as uh, the plans that are, are sent to clients that they're able to get that information can be translated through Google Translate into 
basically every every language that that, that <laughs> Google Translate can do that in. You have to be a registered a registered voter, a citizen to to take advantage of of these services. No, uh, Hark Hark helps anyone, and uh, there's there's literally zero barrier uh, to access, and so it doesn't matter your income, it doesn't matter your any type of status. Um, if if you need help for any reason, uh, or you um, or you just need to raise your hand and go, I need to know where to go. I need I need to know what to do. Uh, we we work with anyone in the community, and and the same for two one one. When you call into two one one. You're geotagged. So your phone, you know, based on the call, the cell phone tower, uh, tells us where you're calling from. And so that, that helps narrow down, you know, what kind of resources or what's available for resources. But we do get calls from Missouri and Oklahoma and Texas and all that just because of the cell towers. But mm-hmm. because 211 has a national presence, um, you know, if you call me and you're, you're on a, you know, a borderline city or with another state or something, um, I, I just automatically, you know, okay, you know, what's going on? What do you need? Oh, you, you, you're calling from Oklahoma. Let, let me put you through to Oklahoma. And, and nationally, 211 took 23 million calls last year. You know, so, you know, it's not that big in Arkansas right now, but nationally, 211 is, is a good network and it's very integrated between the states. So, yes, to answer your question, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're calling me from, um, we're going to get you the help that you need. Dallas Mudd is the Vice President of Operations at United Way of Northwest Arkansas and the Executive Director of Arkansas 211. And Josh Hall is the Vice President of Accelerate Foundation and the Executive Director of HARC. You can learn more at harcnwa.com and more about Arkansas 211 at arkansas211.org. The 2022 midterms are here. Democracy's on the ballot. Enough is enough is enough. We need conservative fighters that will go on offense. Tuning out is not an option. Join us Tuesday for a live election day special. As polls close across the country, we'll bring you updates from across the U.S. and analysis from our experts. Election Day 2022 from NPR News. Election coverage from NPR begins tonight at 8 on 91.3 KUAF. And ahead on this edition of Ozarks, a musical tale of murder, media hype, and razzle-dazzle. We're having so much fun up there every night, and that comes across to the audience every night, that fun we're having. Um, you'll see it, you'll see it in, the, in the scenes between the actors. You'll see it in the dance numbers. Everyone on stage is just having such a blast. Chicago is on stage at Walton Arts Center beginning tonight. I'll talk with Jeff Brooks about playing defense attorney Billy Flynn later on today's show. Right now... I'm talking with Matthew Moore. Hi, Kyle. Hello, Matthew. Ozarks at Large, producer, host, all sorts of things. We're going to hear a portion of today's new Natural Election podcast that's produced at KUAF. Yes. And I want you to kind of summarize how you go into what we're about to hear on the podcast. Right. So one of the things we wanted to do to wrap up the show was – to end it on a fun note, to end it kind of as an encouragement to folks to go vote. Um, and so we were tossing around the idea and we decided, let's do a game show. Let's do a quiz show. And so Daniel and I, Daniel Carruth and I came to you and you said, we said to you, <laughs> can you write a game show for us? And uh, it took a little bit of, of, of needling and prodding, but uh-huh. you did. Yeah. Uh, anyone who knows me just a little bit knows that <laughs> my – I mean, I do have my dream job now, but doing a quiz show, writing and creating a quiz show is – It's you know, probably 1A. 1A, right exactly. 
Not the radio show one. Exactly. So we're going to hear that quiz. Yes. And so uh, one of the things (laughs) that we really point out is we're not great at it. We didn't get 100%. And we're the host of an elections podcast. You should think we would know the answers. Well, although... I created questions. I didn't want you to know all the answers. Sure. So there's some obscure minutia involved in this. Yeah, that's putting it lightly. Uh, but we wanted this to be a reminder that you don't have to have all the answers to go vote. And voting is an open book test. You can literally bring a sample ballot with you marked up so that you know before you go in there how you're going to vote, how you want to vote, so that when you show up to the polling place, you got all the answers right there, exactly the way that you want to vote before you even walk into that booth. That's right. These are questions revolving around elections and voting. And I no one person should know all of these. Mm-hmm. All right? So we've got 11. Okay. And the last one is like a super bonus multi-part answer. Okay. All Do right. I need scratch paper? Yeah. There, Do I have to write? Is there math? Only if counting so, to I gotta eight. I got to go. Only counting to eight. <laughs> Okay. I have enough fingers for that. Actually, this first one is multi-part answer. I should say I'm Kyle Kellums. I'm Matthew Moore. And I'm Daniel Carruth. This is Natural Election. All right. Thanks for letting me be on this. Yes. This is fun. All right. In Arkansas, what four reasons can be given for legitimately being able to file an absentee ballot? What four reasons? You... Live out of state? Uh, <laughs> Am I making this up? No, I'm going to say you are an Arkansas citizen living overseas. So yeah, that's yes, one. Yeah, yeah. That is one of the four. You are homebound. Like you're disabled and you're not able to leave your house. If illness or physical disability prevents you from reaching the poll, that's number two. Okay, we got the two easy ones. <laughs> uh, there's a, there's a third kind of easy one if you think about careers. Oh, you're in the military. That is correct. And the last reason you're legitimately able to f- to send to to file an absentee ballot? <sighs> Think vague. <laughs> you you didn't want to <laughs> go. <laughs> um, the last reason that one doesn't hold up. The last reason is you're unavoidably absent on election day. So a business trip or... Oh, sure. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is there... Uh, I didn't pay attention to Matthew's episode. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to ask a, a follow-up? Well, I was going to ask, um, do you, who gets to decide if that is unavoidable? Yeah, what are the... Cause I feel call like, your county clerk. That's That should be... That's, yeah. that's the go-to answer, I feel like. Yeah, call your county clerk um, if... Your boss has said, you have got to go to this immediate conference. Like, say you work for the Red Cross and there's a hurricane. Sure. Or, you know, those sorts of reasons. I mean, um, when you're applying for the absentee ballot, you'll find out whether that's true or not. Gotcha. Okay. Good to know. Now, speaking of military or overseas citizens and absentee ballots, I'm going to give you three ways to... Get your absentee ballot to your county clerk. You tell me how many of these are legitimate ways to get the ballot to your clerk. Okay. Do we you, need to buzz in? Is this, no, I'm need... just going to give you the three, and then you two decide okay. which, oh, if any, of these three. Okay, yes. <laughs> that helps. U.S. postage, the mail, email, fax. 
So two of the three. I'm not. It could be zero of three. How many of these three are true? Are are ways that your absentee ballot will be accepted by your county clerk? I'm going to say not by fax. Yeah, fax is out. <laughs> right. Uh, find a fax machine is like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So no, you cannot fax your ballot. We've got U.S. mail and email left. I'm going to say U.S. mail, no email. I agree. Yeah. You are correct. Yeah. <sighs> got to mail us. <laughs> All right. Polls in Arkansas on Tuesday open from eight. I'm going to say seven. If you work together. 7.30? Yes. Wow. Hell yeah. <laughs> Until? Uh, 6 p.m. Oh, probably. It's 7, later. Probably 7.30? 7.30. Yeah. 7.30 to 7.30. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's say you're getting ready to vote, and you don't know where to vote. Where online can you find out in Arkansas where to vote? KUAF.com slash vote. You can go to the Secretary of State's website. Voterview. Or voterview.org. Dot AR. Dot AR. Yes, voterview.ar. Let's say you want to know, hey, did I register? Have I voted in the last 10 years and I'm eligible? Where can you find out that information? That's also on voterview.ar. That is correct. You guys are hot. All right. Let's say you show up to vote and they say, you're not on the rolls. I don't think you're registered. What kind of ballot can you file? Mm. Provi- provisional ballot. That is correct. And just go ahead and do it, right? Yes, because if I remember correctly from Jennifer Price, you have a week to uh, to provide proof that you are a registered voter in Arkansas and in that county. And if you prove in that week that you are, in fact, a registered voter, it will change from a provisional ballot to an official ballot, right? That is correct. Right. That is correct. Wow. Oh, that oh. sound? We're going to add that in post. That sound? Incredible. <laughs> that means it's bonus question time. Okay. If you don't fill out one of the options on your ballot, like there's a race that you don't pick either any candidate or either yes or no on an issue, does your ballot still count? Yes. Y- yes. Yes, it, it does. still counts. All right. That sound, adding in post, means you got it correctly. All right. right. Wow. Confetti, too. This yes. is incredible. <laughs> you really fit this out. Now, natural election has been mostly, if not almost all, about Arkansas, but we have other states that we broadcast to, Oklahoma and Missouri. So in the interest of inclusivity, I'm going to ask now a question about Oklahoma and a question about Missouri elections. I've actually voted in a Missouri uh, election before. Not, not, not recently. Not recently, no. Yeah. When I lived in Missouri, I voted in a Missouri election. Yeah. All right. Well, first, we're going to ask about Oklahoma. Okay, good. (laughs) Where Anna Pope will be voting. Just want to get some representation in there for everybody. Yes. I have only voted in Arkansas, Daniel. Same. Okay. In Oklahoma, how close can you be to a polling place with a political biased partisan sign? How close can you come within an Oklahoma polling place? Can I ask some quick? So can I do some questions before we give an answer? (laughs) Yes. Like, is it... uh, Feets far or like yards miles. or say, miles? Is mile too long? Mile too big? We're going to say. <laughs> I also speak on the radio for a living, everybody. We're going to say feets far. Um, is this going to is this going to be whoever's closest to the answer gets the point? I think you should work as a team. 
Okay. Because we're the ones not getting elected. Don't natural, elect us. Yeah, don't natural elect us. election is about how we can come together. I just made that and up. How, and how far away we can do that <laughs> yes. from a polling yes. place. Okay, so you're in Oklahoma. You have a sign that says, elect Jones. How close can you get to that polling place? I'm going to say 15 feet. Oh, 15 feet feels way too close. Is that too close? I think I think it needs to be, I mean, like, yeah, it needs to be a further distance. It's like two of me's <laughs> laying down. That's, that's too close. So I think... A hundred feet. That seems good. Yeah, that makes me sound crazy. <laughs> 300 feet. Okay. Yeah. 15 feet. I don't know. <laughs> I go in, I get my business done, I get out of there. I'm well, not you're looking not carrying around. A sign. I'm not carrying signs. I don't know how, f- I also have terrible depth perception, <laughs> apparently. Okay. Now a question about Missouri voting. Okay. Felons in Missouri can vote after their sentence or parole is complete, except for people who have committed what kind of felony crime? You're not allowed to vote, even after your sentence. I don't know the answer to this because I haven't committed a felony. Well, I do. No, I'm just kidding. kidding. So what one type of felony or actually misdemeanor crime... Voter fraud? Yes. Election fraud. Wow. That was a total shot in the dark. I went straight to murder, (laughs) (laughs) which I guess you probably are not done with your sentence. Yeah. I mean, most cases. (laughs) Right. I I would think, well, I don't know. I'm no lawyer. I'm not going to venture out there. Okay. How about some history? All right. If you go to the Secretary of State's webpage, one of the things you can do that is, for me, infinitely interesting is find results county by county from every general and primary election Mm. going back to 1976. And it's interesting because the most recent ones are all typed out and everything. You get back into the 70s and they're handwritten. Mm. They're like maps of the state and they'll tell you which presidential candidate won which county. It's beautiful. All right. So if you go back to the 1976 Republican presidential primary in Arkansas, if you recall, it was incumbent President Ford being challenged by Jimmy Carter, uh, he, Ronald he Reagan. Right. This is the primary. This is right. the GOP primary. All right. You look at them and you look at who Ford or Reagan, who carried which county. If you look at Woodruff County in the eastern part of Arkansas, what is unusual about the 1976 Republican primary results? GOP primary, 1976, Woodruff County. Between Ford and Reagan. I'm going to venture a guess and say that neither of those two won that county. That's his guess. Yeah. Do you want to? There, there was a write-in, and they won the county. No one cast a vote. It was what? all votes in the Democratic primary in 1976 in Woodruff County. Oh, wow. It was a different era. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was before that, I mean, the party flipped. That checks. And not checks a out. single vote. In, in, fact, the it's, in fact, the uh, Secretary of State back then in Arkansas... Paul Revere points out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. Love Paul. his work. <laughs> Paul, Paul Revere points out no votes cast. They were all cast in the 76 Democratic primary, which Carter yeah. carried Woodruff County. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's my favorite question. That So we've got like one more that's not as favorite as that one. I just love that <laughs> question. Well, you started out strong. Yeah. All right. This is the big one, the multi. Oh. 
That sound means it's the final multi-answer question. Are you ready? I'm ready. There are eight ways you can show that you're eligible to vote in Arkansas. Uh, eight things that you can show. How many of these eight do you think you can come up with? So, like, forms of identification, yes. right? Yes. Okay. I think we can do it. Yeah. Mm. Driver's license is one. That's one mm. of the eight. Passport. Pa- uh, U.S. passport. That's two of eight. You can do military ID. That's three of eight. University ID. Yes, and to be more specific. A, an Arkansas university ID. Accredited post-secondary. Okay. So. So John Brown University, University of Arkansas. Would all work. In yes. WAC. But only if if you teach at Northeastern University in Tahlequah, but you live here, that will not work. Sure. Okay. So we've got four of the eight. You guys are on fire. Well, we got the four easy ones, Kyle. That's, yeah. <laughs> um, A utility bill that has your name and address on it. No, but I want it's, to for, it's good for a library card. <laughs> if you're if Sorry, you're re- I, if you're recycling like um, electric <laughs> recycling, that's brilliant. But I want to go with you when you when you here's my water bill. You could do that in in, in Missouri. I'm checking to see if I asked about Missouri. No, this was about Arkansas. <laughs> Ooh, you burnt. <laughs> Although that sound means <laughs> you burnt. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. That. Okay, so that's not one. That is not one. I want people to don't walk don't bring away from your water this. bill. Well, you can, but it's just I mean, not going to allow you to vote. It's good to have it with Say, you. Can you believe that this is time. what I spent on water last week? All right. <laughs> no, that doesn't. Now, there's there's one that is obvious to me, and this is a hint because when I was in college, I didn't have a driver's license. Oh, just a photo ID. A state just issued a, fo- photo right. ID. Yeah. Okay. So that's five of eight. Um. A friend <laughs> can vouch for you. I don't know. Yes, yes, that would. No, no. Okay. Friend, yeah. They're all. I would imagine that, you know, my mom first took me when she voted like in 1968. I bet in Lakeview, Arkansas, population 150 back then, that probably would have worked. Yeah. Doesn't work now. Yeah. These are all things I assume that have a – it's like something that also has your picture on it. Like do all of them have a picture? I, th- I think they do. There's okay. one here that I have not ever really seen, but I would assume it has your picture on it. Um, so to recap. <laughs> yes. Driver's <laughs> license, U.S. passport. Military a- ID. Accredited second post-secondary. Arkansas. Arkansas college ID. Photo ID. Photo ID. So there are three left. What else has a picture on it? Is there like a state issued, like if you worked for a government agency and you had an ID? You know, I thought that would be on the list, but according to the Secretary of State's office, I didn't see that specifically right there. So if you worked for, if you worked, say, in like the Department of Education in Arkansas and you had an ID, that wouldn't necessarily work? Yeah, and, and I assume that if you were a firefighter or a police, yeah, but, but I guess you, you could have... You could be a firefighter or a policeman and not live in that right. county, so I guess that right. wouldn't work. Oh, man. Okay. One. We could use a hint. Okay. Uh, one is very much specific to what you'd be using it for Tuesday on Election Day. Oh, just a voter ID. You can get a voter ID card. If you want to know more about that, contact your county clerk. Right. Yep. So two left. 
Oh, jeez. One is pretty obscure. <laughs> oh, you, you had Oh, a... well, yes. Uh, then I know what it is. <laughs> yes. Oh. Uh, you want... <laughs> a thought. You, you're an image in your brain of an ID. I don't know. Okay. So, um, well, you know what, Daniel? When I read this again, this may be what you were talking about. I'm just going to read this one verbatim. Okay. A public assistance ID card, if the card shows a photo of the person to whom the document or ID was issued. So that's a really sort of vague... It's pretty, yeah. So is that like... To like qualify for like food stamps or to qualify for government assistance? Perhaps so. Perhaps a public assistance identification card, if the card shows a photo Mm. of the person to whom the document or identification card was issued. So yeah, I think that's sort of a... Yeah. So that leaves one more picture ID. (sighs) Should we get this? Yeah, should we know what it is? There are people listening because they obviously have one. And this is not a hunting license? Well, you're getting there. No, you're getting there. Uh, sure. Yeah. You're getting there, but what what do you, you what do most people hunt with? Like a gun oh. license? Yes. But what kind of gun license? Uh, a, 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 a fire a, sidearm. Uh, oh, 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 sure. Like a like a concealed carry. A yeah, concealed, concealed carry, carry ID. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So there you I go. I didn't know that. Now, that sound means there's one more thing to add about voter uh, proof. If you are a resident of a long-term care or residential facility, you do not need picture documentation. All you need is documentation from the administrator of the facility attesting that the person is a resident of that facility. So in a way, Daniel wasn't entirely wrong. That is true. Yeah, somebody to vouch for you. They could be your friend. Natural Election is a podcast produced in the Carver Center for Public Radio by KUAF and Ozarks at Large. Yes. Matthew, uh, you you mentioned, is this the last episode? This is the last episode. Since it's Election Day. That's right. Yes, you may hear from us later this week once we have some official answers uh, on results and everything. Um, But consider this a good way to go out. Thank you, Matthew. Thanks, Kyle. Walton Arts Center presents Gaelic Storm, Thursday, November 15th at 7 p.m. Gaelic Storm is a multi-genre Irish rock group that blends sounds from country, bluegrass, and rock and roll with traditional Celtic reels and rollicking pub songs. Tickets available at waltonartscenter.org. Sona, the Symphony of Northwest Arkansas, continues its main stage season Saturday, December 10th with two performances of its annual Christmas concert at Walton Arts Center. Performing a mix of holiday favorites under the baton of maestro Paul Haas, musicians will also be joined on stage by the Sona Singers and other guests. Tickets at 443-5600 or sonamusic.org. The lens of photographer Anna Guyton is focused on fat liberation. Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich profiles the artist who is currently showing in a group exhibit, The Hand, at Phoenix Arts on Mount Sequoia in Fayetteville. 22-year-old Anna Guyton identifies as queer, non-binary, and fat. Um, I mean, there's a million reasons a person could be fat. I was raised by fat parents. I grew up fat. I've never, ever not been fat. And being fat, Guyton felt disregarded. When I was growing up, I never, ever felt represented. I never felt seen. I obviously was told to become thinner always, and I was always striving for that. I think in my mind, there was a thin version of myself that was trapped in this body, and that's just not true. 
Um, and so as I grew up and I started to see myself represented very briefly, um, there's an incredible photographer named Laura Aguilar who does a lot of self-portraiture in her beautiful fat body. And I had a really profound moment when I first saw her work because I just felt understood and seen in a way that I had never, ever, ever felt before. Guyton first investigated fat identity while pursuing a studio arts degree at Reed College in Portland, Oregon, focused on experimental digital photography. I've been calling it experimental inkjet printing because there's not a real term for it. It's a process that I'm developing or it's sort of a experimental thing. So the experimental inkjet prints that are featured in this show um, start as digital photographs and I print them on the back of printer paper. So instead of absorbing the ink, it sort of just sits atop the page, um, which gives it that very fluid, that very saturated ink look. So it kind of has a painterly feel about it, but it is a photo, right? So it has this photographic indexicality that I really enjoy. The method is interference rather than embellishment, Guyton says. That can look like spraying the ink with canned air and getting that sort of pluming explosion effect or dripping isopropyl alcohol on it and watching the ink repel. Um, there's a lot of physical manipulations of the work that I do after it's printed. Um, and that's all meant to sort of foreground the materiality of the photo and really get the viewer to look deeper than they might if it was just a digital photograph. Guyton's self-photographs provide a deeply personal portal into the stigma of fatness. Yeah, I mean, it's something we're born into. Culturally, um, anti-fatness is embedded in a lot of our society and a lot of our language and obviously a lot of our actions. I think um, capitalism has a lot to do with it. There's a huge diet industry that's built upon you wanting to strive for thinness. Um, and I think it's important that Fat people are allowed to just take up space and exist and um, exist in fine arts, exist in the real world without having to apologize just for being there and having a body that, um, that diverts from what we're told we're supposed to look like, what we're expected to look like, what we're expected to strive for. Or obsess about 30 million Americans struggle with disordered eating, anorexia, self-starvation, and bulimia defined by binging then purging. Questing to be thin is increasingly pervasive in Western culture, driven by digital celebrity and model worship, further shaped through social media. We like to assign a lot of moral issues to the idea of fatness. I think that like we think it's something that's like a personal failing, or we like to say that oh, we're concerned for people's health, but why do people who are unhealthy not deserve respect? With black liberation, women's liberation, gay liberation, and gender liberation comes countervailing fat liberation, also referred to as fat pride, fat empowerment, and fat activism. Advocates say it's time to eliminate the social stigma of fatness. Yeah, I think a huge shift in my um, viewpoint of all of these things was when I just started following other fat people. It sounds so simple, but you know, default, you're only seeing thin people. Most influencer thin pe influencers are thin people. Models are thin people. So just going and following um, other large-bodied people and seeing that when I'm scrolling every day is reaffirming every day that like, I think those people are beautiful, I think I'm beautiful, and I think we're deserving. 
Guyton Self-Exploration of Fatness is on display in The Hand, an international exhibition of handmade prints and photographs juried by Adam Finkelstein, the co-editor and publisher of The Hand magazine, on display at Phoenix Arts on Mount Sequoia Center through mid-November. One image is titled Bloom. It is a nude self-portrait. My face is obscured. There's an obscuring that happens in all of these, but the body is the central focus still. It's still very bodily. But over the course of just a year of taking photos of myself and um, playing with those photos, I feel so much more at home with my body. I feel so much more comfortable. I feel confident in a way that I never did before. And it's just because I'm able to finally look at myself just as I am and without all of those Um, judgments and stigmas that were raised upon. Um, I've been able to deconstruct that through a lot of reading and a lot of research and writing and thinking, but also just the act of looking and photographing has been tremendously helpful in my own liberation and my own, like, empowerment. Guyton, who's exhibited in seven galleries and museums so far, including a collection titled Gender Euphoria, was recently awarded a Phoenix Arts Residency and keeps a studio in Fayetteville. Phoenix Arts Winter Hours are 1 to 5 on Friday, noon to 6 on Saturday, and 1 to 4 on Sunday. For details, visit F-E-N-I-X-A-R-T-S phoenixart.org, where you can also learn about becoming a financial supporter of the Nonprofit Arts Institute, which in turn supports diverse and often low-income artists. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellams. There's Razzle Dazzle on stage beginning tonight at Walton Arts Center. The national touring production of Chicago runs through Sunday afternoon. The musical classic features Bob Fosse's choreography and, though set in the 1920s, feels contemporary with its story of headline-grabbing sensational crime. Last week, I had a quick phone call with Jeff Brooks, the actor portraying stylish defense attorney Billy Flynn in the production. I asked him about playing a charismatic, spotlight-loving character. What so many people want to uh, pigeonhole him into is the fact that he's just a slimy lawyer who lies to get what he wants. And if you look beneath the surface, it's, it's so much more than that. He does believe in justice, in, in, um, in getting, the, getting his truth across. And he loves to win. There, are, there is that, obviously. But he doesn't lie and cheat to get what he wants. He creates untruths, but you'll notice he never lies under oath. He never breaks the rules of the courtroom. He understands the rules of the courtroom. And he's able to, he finds joy in being able to um, shift the public opinion and mold the public opinion any way he sees fit and and be this puppeteer that we all see uh, specifically in one number in Act One, um, very literally the puppeteer. Um, That's right. But he is one of these types. Oh, it's one of my favorite numbers in the show. It's if you want to find me having the most fun on stage, it's that number. You know the one I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> well, you mentioned, but, yeah, it's it's his control over the media that really is his joy. You'll see every time the media is anywhere on stage, Billy Flynn's face lights up because this is what gives him his power. Yeah, you you were mentioning he understands the rules of the courtroom, but Billy Flynn as a character really understands the then 
burgeoning power of the the mass press appeal. Oh, absolutely. The, the newspapers, what sells papers, what is going to be on the front page, what is a story, what's not a story, what can he turn into an even bigger story? These are things that are always on his mind. Um, he chooses his clients. Of course, his his clients, you know, the Murrises, Velma and, and Roxy come to him, but he decides ultimately whether or not it's a story that he can turn into a sensation. Sure, the $5,000 lawyer's fee that he, uh, that he accrues in the 1920s is quite a lot of money, but the money, he, he loves the money, and absolutely the money, but the fame is also so, so much more important for him, I think. The, the joy of being in front of that, those newspapers, those, those writers, and, and being the top story, being on the front page, I think uh, he really loves that and, and languishes in that as well. I don't know a thing about dancing. I don't know the thing about singing. I don't know a thing about acting. But I would guess that being in a show like Chicago not that it isn't hard work, not that it doesn't take a lot of dedication, but it is fun. Oh, it's such a blast every night. And we've, we've been doing this. This tour has been running now um, for uh, quite a while. Um, but this particular cast has only been together for just over a month now. And we're all still getting to know each other as people. But as performers, um, this cast has done almost uh, 60 shows, I think, at this point. Uh we're all still learning so much about each other on stage and it's a it's we're we're having so much fun up there every night and that comes across to the audience every night that fun we're having um you'll see it you'll see it in the in the scenes between the actors you'll see it in the dance numbers everyone on stage is just having such a blast and that energy and we even talk about it backstage the energy that we get uh from the audience that that refills our tanks and we're just we're begging for more and begging for more and this show specifically chicago begs for more attention from the audience give us more give us more give us more and the more we get the more we can give back to you it's it's a wonderful handshake jeff brooks plays billy flynn in the national touring production of chicago on stage at walton art center tonight through sunday afternoon KUAF is supported by Pack Rat Outdoor Center in Fayetteville, serving Northwest Arkansas since 1973 with backcountry and urban footwear, clothing, equipment, and more. Pack Rat is dedicated to conservation and waste reduction. PackRatOC.com for online shopping, shipping, or curbside pickup. Arkansas PBS, in partnership with the University of Arkansas Libraries, will present a free opening reception for the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum's Americans and the Holocaust Exhibit, which helped inspire the U.S. and the Holocaust documentary. The event begins November 10th at 4.30 p.m. in Mullins Library Hodges Reading Room. For more information, arpbs.org slash holocaust. There is a new episode of our podcast, Resilient Black Women, ready for you. Host Denisha Simpson and Joy McGowan continue their conversations about mental health and access to mental health with this sixth episode of Season 2. Among the topics, emotions, and how we tend to stereotype emotions depending on who may be exhibiting those emotions. Just think me thinking about the phrase women and emotions, I think about a conversation I had recently with my oldest. Uh, my oldest, he's eight years old. And he's like, Mom, what does drama queen mean? And I was like, what? <laughs> 
why do you have this word in your vocabulary, <laughs> this phrase? And he's like, well, some kids at school, we like call each other like drama queen. Um, and so I explained to him, I was like, well, drama means you're doing too much. <laughs> Like, there's a lot going on. You're doing too much. And queen is like referring to a woman, right? And Micah's like, yeah. I was like, that is a horrible phrase, right, baby? He's like, yeah. I was like, yes. It's basically saying that, like, only women be doing too much all the time. And, And he's like, oh, I don't like that. I was like, yes. So, we don't need to call anybody a drama queen. And he's like, oh, well, can we just call them, like, a drama king? Because it was a boy. I was like... Or you could just be like, hey, friend, are you okay? Like, <laughs> friend, do you need something? <laughs> like, we don't have to call him any kind of name. <laughs> like, I don't care what he's doing. Like, like, why do we say these terms? So, I don't know, I think about women and emotions, and I, that's immediately what I think of is how women have been portrayed as, like, having too much emotion that, well, you're the more emotional mm-hmm. person. Like, men are less emotional. Women are so emotional emotional and oh don't get in your feelings about this like I'm I just like mm-hmm. getting replayed like things that have been said to me about my emotions that have always been to some extent like either you're doing too much right. <laughs> keep yourself in tra- intact mm-hmm. don't show it um and I'm just like no <laughs> like women emotions I, I just feel like that idea that women, when we have emotions, that it's, it's too big, it's too much, it can't be contained. Um, I don't know. I think it just sets us up for failure to do the opposite of like what we talked about last episode of like honoring our emotions and mm-hmm. allowing them to take up space in your life, allowing them to tell you the story right. of why they are here. Um, I don't know. So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm getting to this point of like, how do I talk about? women and emotions even with my sons of Mm -hmm. when they hear phrases that negatively impact women and their emotions right right and helping them to understand the emotions so that away when they're older and they find their significant other and she's struggling with something Mm -hmm. and his first thought isn't oh she's doing the most she's Mm -hmm. doing too much Mm -hmm. he's able to more so understand like okay there's something going on with her let me check in with her yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also want them to understand their own emotions right. of like when they are having big emotions mm-hmm. and not because they're women, but because they're human. Exactly. But I think that's the women and emotions. I wish that we could teach our kids that, that we could all kind of be reparented in a sense of being like, yo, your emotions are normal because you are human. Right. All of us have emotions. All of us get angry and sad and frustrated and and happy and surprised and nervous, like because we're human. That's a very human thing to de- do. Mm-hmm. It's not a very girl thing to do. It's not a very boy thing to do. It's a very human thing to feel. Joy McGowan and Denisha Simpson are founders of the nonprofit Resilient Black Women, seeking to reimagine mental health access for communities of color. They're committed to redefining what it means to have courage, resiliency, and a healthy sense of self. The brand new episode of Resilient Black Women can be heard in its entirety if you go to KUAF.com or just seek it out wherever you already download your podcasts. For the Central Arkansas Library System, I'm Mark Chris with an Encyclopedia of Arkansas Minute. A 12-hour battle on November 28, 1862 set the stage for the climactic fight for control of Northwest Arkansas. Major General Thomas Hindman's Confederates were based at Fort Smith when General John Sappington Marmaduke's cavalry headed north to gather supplies from the verdant Cane Hill area. 
A Union general, the pugnacious James G. Blunt, led 5,000 soldiers and 30 cannon to attack the rebel foragers, hitting them at Cane Hill on the morning of November 28. The Confederates slowly fell back into the Boston Mountains, protecting their wagon train as it carried food to Fort Smith. A series of delaying actions covered nine miles of rugged, mountainous terrain as the rebels would make a stand, then fall back as the Yankees approached. A final ambush ended the Union advance, and Blunt made camp at Cane Hill. Hyman's entire army would return a week later, intent on invading Missouri, and the bloody Battle of Prairie Grove was fought on December 7. To learn more, visit encyclopediaofarkansas.net. Tomorrow on our show, the local brewing industry continues to grow, and locally grown hops may further that expansion. And then beyond that, how can we help growers to increase the number of growers of hops in Arkansas? So now we need to get more knowledge about how it grows, how to grow it better here in Arkansas so that we can increase the number of hops growers in Arkansas. Ozarks at Large's Anna Pope gives us the details tomorrow at noon and 7 p.m. on Ozarks at Large. If you can't be with us then, just download or subscribe to our Ozarks at Large podcast. Reminder, NPR's live coverage of the midterm elections beginning at 8 tonight on KUAF. The Arkansas Colleges of Health and Education campus at Chaffee Crossing in Fort Smith will host a workshop November 10th from noon until 5 for community care providers about veteran suicide prevention and intimate partner violence. Continuing education credits will be issued to those who attend. Registration is required. Seating is limited. Search Eventbrite for tickets. You can also call 310-5369. The Razorback soccer team is heading back to the NCAA tournament for a seventh straight year. They learned yesterday that Arkansas will host Missouri State Friday. Winner of that match meets the winner of Ohio State and Bucknell in the second round. John Brown University women's soccer team playing for the Sooner Athletic Conference Championship Thursday night against the University of Science and Arts in Chickasha, Oklahoma. The JBU men's soccer team in Oklahoma City tonight playing Mid-American Christian in the conference semifinals. A win tonight for JBU would be mean a spot in Friday's conference championships on the men's side of the bracket. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Terrytown. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Contributors today included Matthew Moore, Daniel Carruth, Jacqueline Froelich, Joy McGowan, Denisha Simpson, and Mark Christ. Resilient Black Women, by the way, produced by Lee Wood. Our theme is written and performed by Daryl Sean. It's titled The First to Rob. Oh, and by the way, the music for our natural election quiz, composed and performed by our own Matthew Moore. We'll be back with you tomorrow at noon and 7 on 91.3 KUAF. I'm Kyle Kellums.